Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the radio program for New Heights Education at blogtalkradio.com. My name is Kaden Behan, your host, and I volunteer for New Heights. Today we're going to be talking about college, and it's always the right choice for every student. As we know, college tuition is rising increasingly um, at a rate that's, you know, triple or even quadruple the rate of uh, living, the increase in the rate of the standard of living, and so it's an important choice to decide whether or not college is truly worth the investment or not for certain occupations and interests. But before we begin, as always, we do have some announcements. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals. So we're going to talk about, like I said, should all students go to college? And there's a bunch of different articles that I was able to find that have different opinions on whether or not you should. And so we're going to start with an article by Dana Goldstein that takes into account the skyrocketing college costs and the job outlook um, and talk about maybe some alternatives to going to college. On June 8th, President Barack Obama visited Northern Virginia Community College. He rolled up his sleeves and tooled around under the hood of a hybrid car that students were learning to repair. Later, he gave a speech on the importance of more Americans gaining access to higher education, not just at four-year universities, but also at community colleges and occupational training programs as well. The goal isn't just making sure that someone has got a certificate or a diploma, Obama said. The goal is to make sure your degree helps you get a promotion or a raise or a job, and that makes you confident and prepared for that job. And that is especially important right now. And the president's remarks departed significantly from the college for all rhetoric that frequently dominates the education policy debate. That conversation burst open in February when the Harvard Graduate School of Education released a report called Pathways to Prosperity. The report noted that of the 47 million American jobs expected to be created between now and 2018, about two-thirds will require some sort of education beyond high school, yet a much smaller portion will require a four-year college degree. About 14 million of these new jobs will be in mid-skill occupations that require just a post-secondary certificate or associate's degree, jobs such as dental hygienist, construction manager, and electrician. Such occupations can provide 
Class into middle class, and the 27% of workers with occupational licenses earn more than the average recipient of bachelor's degrees. In, con in the context of an economy where unemployment hovers above 9%, the job outlook is particularly bleak for low-skilled workers, those who in previous generations would have depended on the now decimated manufacturing sector of the job market. These projections brought new urgency to an old debate, one that has divided American social reformers for more than a century. Due to poor, do poor and working class kids have the same need for liberal arts education as their middle class and affluent peers? Or does the reality of inequality in America, the sheer unlikeliness of climbing from poverty into prosperity within a single generation call for a more practical approach to educating the poor with a focus on technical skills that can prepare a child for a world of work. The Harvard report, which is warmly embraced by Secretary of Education Arne Duncan, set up a storm of criticism from self-declared education reformers who rose to defend the college for all approach. While I agree that all students can benefit from more exposure to the world of work, I vehemently disagree with the Harvard author's main argument that we are already tried we already tried preparing all students for college and didn't work. Wrote Katie Haycock, president of Washington DC think tank Education Trust. This focuses on closing the achievement gap and was a major player in advocating for no child left behind. And more recently the Obama administration's race to the top grant program. Most schools still resist the idea that all kids can and should be college ready. By continuing long-standing unfair practices of sorting and selecting, they create what is essentially an educational caste system directing countless young people, especially low-income students and students of color, away from college prep courses from seeing, and from seeing themselves as college material. Rishan Biddy, education columnist for the conservative magazine The American Spectator, was even harsher with her criticisms. His criticism, writing on his own website, Dropout Nation, Biddy accused Harvard researchers of barely concealed racism. The 52-page report wrongfully perpetuates a century-old philosophy that poor and minority kids aren't capable of high-quality college-level education, that is condemning far too many young men and women to poverty and prison, Biddle wrote. In fact, it was Booker T. Washington in his 1901 autobiography, Up From Slavery, who made the seminal case for vocational education. One man may go into a community prepared to supply people there with an analysis of Greek sentences, he wrote. The community may not at the time be prepared for or feel a need of Greek analysis, but it may feel its need of brick houses and wagons. Two years later, writing in The Souls of Black Folks, W.E.B. Du Bois, famously accused Washington of opposing the higher training and ambition of brighter minds. For this is certain, he wrote Du Bois, a promoter of university liberal arts, no secure civilization can be built in this house with the Negro as an ignorant, turbulent proletariat. In the early 20th century, the comprehensive high school offering both college prep and vocational tracks emerged as a compromise between these two ideologies intended to shift the academic elite from the shaft while offering adolescents a more engaging hands-on curriculum. In many ways, this model was extremely successful as millions of working-class immigrants flooded into American cities, and public school systems offered a 
acculturation and English skills, while also providing teens with a job, with job training for the then bustling manufacturing economy. In 1900, just 6% of Americans graduated from high schools, and by 1969, partly because of the tracking policies that offered less academically demanding courses, nearly 80% of all Americans had earned a high school diploma. But as soon as the vocational track was introduced, thorny social justice problems emerged. Girls and African Americans were directed into low-paid clerical jobs and less skilled non-unionized occupations. University of California, Los Angeles educated education researcher Mike Lewis has found that the depression era that a depression era study of high school welding programs in 18 states discovered only a single black student enrolled. So this type of rigid tracking was mostly planned phased out in the 1980s. The fact of tracking by race and class remains a feature in many high schools with low income and minority students, far less likely to enroll in advanced placement or other college prep courses. Research by sociologist Jennings Brand and UZ has shown that the decline of manufacturing economy, the students who have the most gain from a four-year college degree are the same disadvantaged students least likely to attend college, in part because they are counseled into less demanding courses throughout their school career. So these realities, however, must be balanced against an often toxic combination of rising higher education costs aggressive marketing of low-quality for-profit colleges to low-income students, and staggeringly high college dropout rates and student debt loads. Just 53% of students who enter four-year colleges graduate within six years, and two-year community colleges, at two-year community colleges, half of all students drop out before their second year, and only 25% finish their programs within three years. One-fifth of all students who borrow to pay college dropout and nearly one in five who drop out leave only after, after accumulating $20,000 in debt. Working class parents understand the risks of too much debt for too little education and are hungry for alternatives. Polling of low-income New Yorkers by the Community Service Society of New York has found that 90% believe the high school vocational training would be a good education option for their own children. David Jones, the organization's president, grew up in a black family that emphasized intellectual achievement above all else. He graduated from Wesleyan University and then Yale Law School and sent his children to the elite colleges. But Jones says that in the midst of a recession, these poor results got him off his high horse. As he quoted, people at the base get it and are desperately concerned about their young people. Johnny gets out of high school and can basically never leave home. He doesn't have a skill that is in need except as a service person at McDonald's. And this dialogue is one that we have to take on. Amid these difficult truths, some progressive education reformers have attempted to move beyond the old emotional debates about tracking and expectations and are sounding the call for a more intellectual version of the career of technical career and technical education or CTE. One of these one that infuses traditional vocational training with the academic rigor and ethic of college prep. You can teach any given subject at multiple levels, says so Samuel Lucas, the University of California Berkeley sociologist and author of the Tracking Inequality, Stratification and Mobility in American High Schools. You can teach people how to fix a car where you talk about turning the screw. At that level of knowledge, they could get a job, 
but you can also teach them well what are the principles by which this combustion engine is working. So the very interesting um, conflicts that arise when talking about what is the right way to go, whether it be vocational training or job-specific training or higher education. And so I just wanted to start with this article because it has the history of this long debated problem um, and it's something that we need to recognize now, especially with rising costs of education. So we're going to move on to kind of how to counsel students who are not interested in college as their first about what perhaps they want to do as an alternative. This is from weareteachers.com written by Lauren Hoffman. Helping students to decide what to do after high school is no small task. And this is especially true when it comes to assisting students who do not plan to go to college and want to follow a more untraditional path. We sat down with experienced guidance and career counselor, Ms. Laura Guggen from Hayes High School in Buda, Texas, to discuss how we do not plan on attending a university. And this is in the form of an interview. What percentage of students at your high school in Blue go to college? Ms. Hugan answers that about 55 to 60% of students continue on to go to college. And what are the reasons that some of the other students go, don't go to college? The reasons are that it's a mix of reasons. Cost is a big factor. Skill sets and academics play a role. And many students who are first generation Americans make up a large portion of the academic population in this particular area. So they don't necessarily know about the resources out there available for them for higher education. So what is students? The best way to handle advising these students is to find out what their plans and goals are for the future. You have to work on a case-by-case -case basis. Sometimes the process can take a long time. Often students don't even know what to ask. You have to have counselors who will go the extra mile to walk them through the process, show them what to do, and help them one-on-one -on -one with applications. You'll see the most progress if you're very involved as a counselor. How important do you as a counselor feel college education is in today's world? Ms. Gugan believes that it's very important for students to have some sort of post-secondary training, something beyond high school diploma. It doesn't have to be a bachelor's degree at a traditional university, as that is not for everyone. But she believes that everyone should have a post-graduation plan. It can be military, technical school, starting a business. Students can get lost in the shuffle if they don't have a post-grad plan. If their only school set is being a high school graduate, that really limits their options later on in life. So how do you advise students who don't want to go to college? If students don't want to go to college, we try to identify jobs or careers that they might be interested in. We help them figure out what is required to land those types of positions. We get them hooked up with the training that they need, and we help them get the skill set needed to go into the career or field they want to start out in. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. What are some good alternatives to college for young people? 
Technical schools are a good choice. Community college is often a very good place to start for students who need to take developmental courses or want to continue their education but aren't ready for full college experience. We have a lot of students who benefit from services that the military provides, and many of our students want to join city services and become firemen or policemen, jobs that don't necessarily need many of our students to join city services and um, don't necessarily need a college degree. Have you had any non-traditional success stories of students who didn't go to college but ended up being very successful? And they have had many students who have done that. She worked with a student once who had his own business, cars in high school. The day she met him, he handed her one, which was very unusual. It's not every day in high school that students have business cards. He had purchased some dry cleaning equipment and was cleaning clothes for fellow classmates and other clients. After he left high school, he started his own dry cleaning business. Today, he's very successful, and he did that out of his own ambition. That is another thing students who don't want to go to college can do. They can start their own business, and entrepreneurship is a good alternate path to consider. What do you think are the benefits of not getting a college education? For students who are very self-aware and know they aren't ready for university environment, Postponing or foregoing a college education can save a lot of frustration, disappointment, and financial stress. We have a lot of students who drop out of college or universities because they can't afford it or they weren't really ready for it. If they hadn't gone in the first place, they could have saved themselves some time and some money. Have you ever had a student who wanted to go to college but didn't have the grades? And what? how do you counsel students in this position? Sometimes students realize that they should have worked a little harder in high school to get a good grade point average. For those students, she recommends starting off in programs that are open to enrollment, like community college or junior college, where they can accumulate credit, or encourage them to get experience in the field that they're interested in. For students who want to go to college but didn't quite make the grade, it's about stepping stones. They have to have an end in sight and make step-by-step -step plan to get where they want to be. Have you ever had a student who had the grades but didn't want to go to college? Sure, and this happens all the time. Sometimes there are family struggles or personal issues that prevent a student from going to college even though he or she is a high achiever and you think that they belong on a college campus. You have students who are responsible for earning family income. It depends on how much value is placed on that higher education in their family. If it isn't a priority, even high achieving students don't often consider it an option. And we're seeing many students and families that are afraid to go into debt, especially when the job market isn't very good, and that can hinder students who otherwise want to go to college. Have you seen a decline in college applications due to the struggling economy? Yes, she believes sometimes it is because there's less scholarship money available, and there isn't as much financial aid and the economy isn't doing well, we definitely see a decrease in enrollment. What is your best piece of advice for guidance counselor, teacher, or parents who want to help students successfully prepare for life after high school. This might be really simple, she states, but I think the most important thing to remember is how you make your students feel. Students can be easily discouraged, and how you treat them can make a strong impression. You'll always remember what you say. Someone once told me that when a student comes into your office, he or she will remember 10% of what you say, 20% of what your office looks like, and 70% of what you need them feel. If you're positive towards your students, students, you can make a lot of progress with them. 
then we're just going to talk about some small alternatives to going to college, just some options for some students who are interested in other things. And the previous article that we just talked about stated some of them, but I just want to go into some in more detail. For some students, college isn't the right fit, as we discussed, but as their teacher, you still have a desire to guide them in the right direction so they can live successful, fulfilling lives. Here are four alternatives to going to college that you can share with your non-college-bound people. Number one, as we've talked about before, start a business. For entrepreneurial students, starting his or own business may be a great path to take. Many people who don't go or dropped out of college have become wildly successful. Not that we're necessarily saying your student is bound to become the next few jobs, but it's good to encourage students who are very ambitious to pursue their entrepreneurial activities. Two, get artsy. If you have students who are particularly gifted in the arts, pursuing a career in acting, music, fine arts, photography, or graphic arts may be the perfect plan for them. Perhaps they should invest more in their art than in a university. However, going down this path, it is important as well to create a backup plan as art and acting and dancing and things like that aren't necessarily sustainable or uh, even stable a lot of the times in the job market. So it's good to try to push students into at least going into community college and getting some sort of skill set other than art while at the same time pursuing that interest of them of theirs. Additionally, joining the armed forces, is that something that your child is interested in doing? Enlisting in the Army, Navy, or Air Force can be a great path for some students. They gain invaluable life experiences, the pride of protecting country, develop real valuable skills they can parlay into jobs later in life. Additionally, there are many armed force programs that pay for students' college after a certain a lot of years of service. And so if your student is looking to go to college and perhaps doesn't have the funds for it, this might be an option that will help them fund that college experience. Go to trade school. Learning and perfecting a trade is a wonderful alternative to a university. The world is in always, always in need of excellent plumbers, electricians, chefs, etc. For students who are practical and looking to earn a good salary soon after high school, vocational school may be a great option. Number five, be an apprentice. An apprenticeship is good as a great alternative to college. As an apprentice, one learns the tricks and trades from a master and with the hopes of mastering the skills well. And as an anecdote, many apprenticeships pay. That means your students will learn and make money at the same time. So now I just want to talk about kind of my experience. There's a couple more articles posted on the blog for you to check out, but we only have about five minutes left of the show. Um, personally, myself, I have really enjoyed college to certain professions where you just can't really avoid it. For example, for me, I'm going into medicine, and it's just not something that you can really do without a college degree and then a medical degree. But I do know that college is very expensive now. It's something that everyone is really struggling with. And sometimes I, there's a lot of students that me, that I've done, that we question whether or not the investment is really worth what we're putting out there. And I think that 
even students who are college bound need to be aware of that, that you can come out of school with your degree and have, you know, quarter of a million dollars in debt. And so you need to make plans for what kind of job do you want, how much salary that's going to allot you, and how capable are you going to be of paying that debt back. And that's very important to remember now, um, especially when going into certain fields that may not benefit um, students in that respect. Not that students should only pursue excuse me, jobs or careers that make a lot of money, but you definitely don't want to encourage a student to pursue something and pay a lot of money for college and then have them be kind of, you know, barely above water in debt as they're starting to get into their career. And so it's just something to think about. I personally have enjoyed my college experience. I think it is important for students to gain some life experience, regardless of if it's at college or a job or volunteering or things like that. I think there's a lot that you learn from after high school, just maturity-wise. It's not necessarily the material that you learn in college, but you just learn more about people, cultures, what it takes to be responsible, to manage your own time, to seek out your own opportunities. And I think that's really the most that you get out of an undergrad degree is actually coming into your own and learning how to be responsible and pursue your own ambitions, regardless of what you're necessarily academically taught. And so I think it's very important to encourage students to push themselves in this respect, whether it's at a, you know, at a school, at a job, at a volunteering or internship opportunity. But I think that it's very important. And so thank you so much for listening to me. Next week is my last show as a host for New Heights Educational Group. It's going to be very dear to me, and we're going to talk a lot about my experience um, on the radio show, and we do have another topic just because I know that I probably could talk for hours about my experience, but I do want to keep it more close to education as well. So next week is my last show. We're going to be talking about that. And the other um, topic is going to be posted on Blog Talk Radio for you guys to check out later in the week. Thank you so much. And please do join Shannon for her show tomorrow at 11 p.m. And you can tune in to me next week at 6 p.m. as usual. Have a good night and a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.